I want to continue this morning to talk about the love of Jesus and the awesome power of his love. And I considered not, but I, I don't want to miss some of the aspects of the message of the awesome power of Jesus. And I just want to talk to you about this today, loving one another, loving one another. How many believe it is vital that the church loves each other? Does anybody believe that? It's, it's vital. And would you also agree with me that the enemy works overtime to separate us and divide us and split us? Uh, there's a strange little scripture that we're looking at today in John 13 and 34. A new commandment, he says. Uh, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I love that statement. All will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I remember uh, growing up and uh, sometimes we would be in certain places and we'd see people dressed certain ways and we'd get such a kick out of the way they were dressed because we knew what kind of church they went to. We knew, yes, we knew which church. We knew whether or not they were uh, 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 Catholic or whether or not they were Baptist or whether or not they were Pentecostal or, come on, anybody, been, anybody, where are my apostolic folk at? Where am I? You know, that crowd, that was always fun to me because I had some family that went to the Holiness Church in uh, Kentucky and I'm telling you, Aunt Josephine never left the house without a skirt that was just below the knee and long sleeves and her hair piled up. I'm telling you, if she was working in the, on the farm, she was dressed that way. Never had jewelry on, never had a piece of makeup on her face. I don't think she ever did to the day that she died. She was always that way. But Jesus didn't say that they will know that you are my disciples by the clothes that you wear. He didn't say that. He didn't say by the cologne that you wear or the car that you're driving or the kind of watch that you have around your wrist. He said they will know. People will know. There will be something separating you from others by the love that you have, the way that you love one another. And I want you to get this because people say this. I've heard this. Love is love. And I want you to know love ain't love. There is a love that ain't like everybody else's love. There is a love that goes beyond that because I know that there are people that will love me according to what I say to them or whether or not I fit into their particular box. And I'm telling you, the word of God says that there is a love that's different from any other kind of love. Jesus says, if you love, I want you to love one another. Next phrase. As I have loved you. Say it again. As I have loved you. We're uh, getting ready for resurrection season. This is a growth season. And uh, I'm telling you, we're getting ready for Easter. More people. We're preparing the house. No, you didn't hear what I said. You're saying you're putting new carpet in. No, I'm saying we need to prepare the house. We need to prepare ourselves. We work hard at freedom, seeing people healed from their wounds, seeing homes healed. We also need to work a little harder on loving one another. Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, if you have an intimate relationship with me, you will keep my commandments 
And then he tosses in a, a new commandment. That's a strange phrase, isn't it? I'm going to give you a new commandment here. Here's the new commandment. And we're saying, well, I thought that's just the way people were. No, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And don't you be getting legalistic on me, Pastor Rick. Don't, don't you be telling me what I got to do. No, listen, Jesus gave us a commandment. And he said, if you're in an intimate relationship with me, if, if you receive my love, I want you to love people the same way that I love people. I want you to enter into relationship with one another the same way that I have entered into relationship with you. And this is not, come on, listen, listen. This is not pick and choose. This is not, well, if you want to. This isn't say on a good day, do this. On a bad day, don't do this. No. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And that is my new commandment. So is this an option? This is not optional. I was, uh, I probably told you this before. Before I lived here, I lived in another state and I was in another church. And uh, I, the church was just so divided. I, I don't know if you've ever been to a church that was just divided. Just everybody mad at each other. Just mad, mad at each other. And uh they didn't like each other. They didn't want to go to church together. They just mad at each other. They didn't like each other. And they were vocal about it. They were vocal about it. And you'd regularly hear people walk up uh, during the week. It wasn't that big of a church either, you know. It was just a small little church, and they were so mad. So I thought, you know, I was the associate, and I was invited to preach one particular Sunday, and I thought I'd preach on the love of God. And it made people so mad. The more I preached, the madder they got. And finally, one lady jumped up in the middle of the sermon and said, Who do you think you're preaching to anyway? If I remember correctly, I said something like this. You! Help me, Jesus. On occasion, someone will text me and let me know they are driving through Ross County, Ohio. Who of you have let me know you've been driving through Chillicothe, Ohio? Anybody on occasion? Yep, yep, there you go. And uh, I had a pastor text me the other day uh, also who was driving, headed toward Columbus, driving through Ross County, Ohio. That meant you had to drive past Richmondale, Ohio, the place where I met Diana and where we got married and where we began our ministry. If you were driving through Chillicothe, that's uh, the, just areas in that area. I have so much family. They'll tell you, I'm driving by, and I'll usually say something like this. You're safe there. You're okay. I got folks there. I got people there. I got people there. You break down in Chillicothe, just give me a call, all right? And somebody will have you over their house. Somebody will be fixing you dinner. Somebody will be bringing mechanics in your particular direction because I know people in Ross County. Anybody got some folks like that? You know, you know, if you break down in my town, you break down that little town. You know, some places are not like that, but I just happen to know that if you break down there, there's some good people, some good Help me, God-fearing people who love Jesus and love others. But then sometimes it always seems this way. Anybody break down somewhere where you don't know no one? Anybody ever do that? I remember once Diane and I were traveling from one state headed towards Ohio. We had two babies, and I was a distracted driver. Anybody ever been a distracted driver before? Okay, Because one of our babies had messed their pants, and uh, it had distracted me, and I looked, and as I looked, I drove my 1983 Thunderbird right off the road and right into a muddy ditch. 
and we were stuck. Didn't have any dents or anything. We were stuck. We were just stuck. And I, Lord Jesus, I need some help right now. And uh, a guy driving. Anybody ever get upset about all those big trucks on the road? Okay. One of them big truckers pulled off the road. Saw me and my little wife and our two babies standing there on the side of the road. And pulled out a chain and hooked it up to his 18-wheeler. And pulled me out of the mud hole. Somebody praise Jesus. Anybody ever been stuck in a mud hole? I'm not talking about on the side of the road. Anybody ever been stuck in mud? Anybody been stuck in life? Anybody been stuck in your wounds? Stuck in your situation? Wouldn't it be good if somebody would just pull over and hook you up and pull you out? You read the story of a young girl named Catherine who uh, was on a mission trip in Ecuador. And uh, she was on this mission trip. And as she was... Uh, as she was there, one of the things, and I, I, I remember this, I remember the first time I went to South America, I was in, I was in Chile, and uh, I wanted to get out in that water. I just wanted to go out and just swim for a minute on that, in that particular side, because I'm used to swimming in this side of the water, but I wanted to swim over there, and that water was so cold. But she was in Ecuador, and she wanted to get out and swim, and she got out, she was such a good swimmer, she, was, she swam out a little too far, and she came up, and she looked, and she saw a speedboat coming in her direction. And she, she yelled, and she realized they were not going to hear her. And she, so she dove as deep as she could, but she didn't dive fast enough. And one of the props hit her uh, and just sliced open her back. And she felt as if she was going to die. Uh, she had lost her ability to, to move. The pain was so intense. And she started praising Jesus for heaven. That's her story. She just said, well, Lord, I get to see my mama who's already gone. And, uh, and she was saying that. But there were individuals from the shore who saw the accident, who jumped in the water. And they dove in and they grabbed her and they pulled her. And there was a massive gash on her back. And they found an EMT nearby and they put pressure on it. They stopped the bleeding. And then these were all strangers. Somebody else took her to a hospital. They found a missionary hospital where they put over 100 stitches in her. But then she was stuck on her mission trip. Who was going to take care of her? But believers found her, took her into their home. They fed her without any cost. They took care of her wounds and restored her and eventually sent her back home to her family. Folks, that's called Christian brotherly love. Can I get an amen from someone? And that's what I love about Freedom Fellowship. I love you. I love you. I, I just feel like right now, I don't plan to fall off and break my leg, but I kind of feel like if I did, you guys would take care of me. Anybody with me on that? I, I kind of feel like we're in the place if somebody comes in broken, that we ought to be that church that is able to love and care for one another. And I reach way back and tell my old stories about years ago, but never forget that time that I experienced, I felt the love of God directed at me for the first time in my family when Diana slipped off of the front porch and broke her ankle and it was just so horrible and she had not only stitches but pins and a plate and some screws and I had two tots and people started just showing up and I, I never asked. I, there was no such thing in those days as GoFundMe page. There was no such thing as I just put it on Facebook. You know, I, there was no such thing. People just heard about it and one after another they would show up and they would have food or they would watch the children. They would do whatever was necessary. And then I began to think, was there other things? And I look back, you remember me telling the story of when I was burned so bad as a child. I, but, but what you may not know is that my family was broke. We were broke. 
We lived up in an upstairs apartment. My, in, the, in the lower part of that apartment area, my uncle and aunt and their kids lived, and we lived in the upstairs part. We didn't have a stove. We had a hot plate. We couldn't afford a stove, so Mama cooked on a hot plate. I was burned because of that hot plate. And the crowds began to come around. I was burned. They brought me home. They had me all wrapped up on my face. And they were planning to graft skin on my face. And of course the Lord miraculously set me free. And the burn fell off of my face after five days. But it was five days of being loved. It was five days of being fed. It was five days of people coming around and praying. It was five days of prayer meetings where the church gathered around. And they loved us at our most painful and frightening moments. While these stories are fantastic, please remember, you don't want to have to wait for someone to have their worst day to be loved. People need to be loved right now. They need to be loved before their car breaks down. They need to be loved before their house burns down. They, they need to be loved before they're going through a trial of their life, before somebody's in the hospital. we got to love people right now. And it's a problem because I, I tell these stories and I'm also reminded of the many people I know whose needs are not so obvious, not so convenient, whose personalities are not so attractive, who do not have friends who are so compassionate. However, these stories that I tell prove that the church has great potential. It also reminds me of how seldom the church actually performs up to their potential. And I want you to know there are times that I wish I would have loved you better. People need the Lord and they need love truthfully. Seems that we hear more horror stories about the church than the heroic stories. I hear about the immorality. I hear about the gossip. I hear about the judgment. I hear about the hatred. I hear of Christians who just constantly complain about the preacher, the ministries, the music, the decor, the timing. And perhaps they're all sometimes right. But factually, Christians do not always behave as their faith calls them to. At times, the church at large is far from what God intended us to be. We need to fix this. Amen. And the fix to this is for us to rediscover who we are. We're supposed to be Christ's powerful presence in the world. We are His body. You didn't hear this yet. Come on. We are His body on the planet. Amen. We're called to embody the very life of Jesus. See, Jesus came to earth to die for us, but he also came to show us exactly who God is and what God was willing to do to set us free from the tragedy of sin. He shows us his love through his death and resurrection. But even when his ministry was seemingly complete after he rose, he still had work to do. And in Matthew 28, he said this, I want you to go. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Now, that's a heavy task, isn't it? Especially when you consider the story of Jesus and that his ministry only lasted for three years. He only traveled in and around Palestine 
Relatively speaking, he only preached to a few people. And at his ascension, his disciples numbered about 120. At the count of the upper room on the day of Pentecost, 120 gathered. But I want you to see, Jesus said, I want you to teach them everything that I've commanded. One of his last commands is this. What? I want you to love each other like I have loved you. See, Jesus commanded those followers to travel to places he had never traveled. To go to places and proclaim his words, which are now their words, their deeds, the good news of the gospel. Now, now notice how this took place. I think we see it best in the first church as they were taught to function as a body. Now, focus. You need to grasp this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So also is Christ. Say it. So also is Christ. Okay. The so also is Christ is pointing directly to the body. It seems like a grammatical struggle for me when I read it. But what he's saying is, together, we are the incarnation of Christ on this earth. I don't know if you're receiving me. Together, we are in unity, Christ walking around on the planet. It would seem that it would say, so also is the church. But here is what the scriptures teach us. As Christ was the incarnation of God in the world, the church is now the incarnation of Christ. Christ lived in a small area of the world and his earthly time was short. And the message of, the Christ, of Christ is this. We have been given the responsibility to carry on where Jesus has left off. Amen. But look at this. We are not bound by space or time. The body of Christ, Jesus incarnate, has now existed for some 2,000 years. And we have established the witness of Jesus in every major culture around the world. Our success in filling the endeavor of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus depends on a simple truth. And it is not great wealth. It is not political power. It is not superior organization or big buildings or creativity. It is dependent upon the spectacular power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and the mutual love that we share within us. So I love being a part of the church. Do you share the love of Christ? Do you love like Jesus loves? Listen, this would be a difficult bit. Aren't you glad that when Jesus tells you to love, he also places the love with inside of us that we need to love with? Draws me back to our text today. Remember, what holds us together is the power of God's love. It cements us together. It causes us to prevail in, in, in even the darkest times. He says it's a new commandment. He calls the disciples. He calls the church to become a community of mutual love in a world so that people will see and experience not only the love that we have for each other, but also the love that God has within himself. I love the way Paul explains this to the church in Ephesus. Because Paul argued that Christ destroys old animosities that existed in the ancient world. You know about these. 
Animosities between men and women. Animosities between citizens and barbarians. Animosities between the slave and the free. Animosities between Jews and Gentiles. That's what Paul talks about. Paul's, in Paul's day, observant Jews considered themselves superior to the Gentiles. Oh, you're one of those Gentiles. You're sort of like a dog. They were the favored few. The Jews were the recipients of the covenant, the law, the land, the temple, and the promises. Gentiles were considered outsiders to this community. They were without God. They were aliens. They were strangers to the promise. They had no hope. But all that changed when Jesus came. And Paul writes this in Ephesians 2. He said, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, literally becomes the wall that is torn down in order for us to be united. I love the way Diedrich Bonhoeffer taught it. He said this, Jesus Christ provides the only foundation upon which the church can be built. He turns sinners into saints. He transforms enemies into friends and enables believers to love one another. Can I tell you, some of you would have nothing to do with each other if it wasn't for Jesus. Some of you wouldn't be sitting next to each other in the same house if it was not for Jesus. But Jesus tore down the wall of hostility and we are one body. We are all one in Jesus Christ. Fundamentally, here's the truth. We belong to each other. Shout it. We belong to each other. Because of Jesus and through Jesus, there's only one foundation of unity. In Jesus, we are one. Come on, listen. And whatever your political party is, your musical preference, your nationality, your economic position, your generational position, I don't care if you're a baby boomer, a Gen X, or a millennial, whatever they call you, we are one church and we are only one church. And the one thing that Satan seeks to do is to rip us apart, but we will not be divided. We are the church. We are Jesus incarnate. We are one body. In addition, we are called specifically to unity and mutuality. We are called to be together, to care for one another. Not just me, but for all of us. Somebody shout, we are one in the Lord. Shout it, we are one. Sometimes we look at these themes of scriptures and somehow discount them just as, you know, they're sweet. We love each other and it's cartoonish. The phrase we want to focus on today is comprised of two words, though. One another. Somebody shout it. One another. One another. We have to get this right. When I say we must love one another, I'm not saying that we're going to erase all of our differences. But I'm saying it will enable us to maintain healthy relationships and provide an atmosphere of sacrificial love. The integrity and the witness of the church is at stake here if we don't embrace this teaching. Scriptures call us, when it says to, to love one another, cause us to a few areas to welcome one another, to encourage, say it with me, welcome one another, encourage one another, with me, comfort one another, and to admonish one another. I'll, I'll get to a few of these right now. Uh, I'm not speaking of common hospitality here. 
I'm speaking of the work of Christ within us. Let me remind you of the scripture here in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So if you're a prophet, these commands will release your prophecy. If you're a healer, this command will release you into healing. If you're an evangelist, these commands will give you a voice. First of all, he says, welcome one another. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 15 and verse 7, 7 reads this way. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Read it again. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. It's one of the, the, those actions that we take, it, take for granted at freedom sometimes. We celebrate welcoming and loving one another. It's a part of our culture. I uh, grabbed this picture. This is of the... Uh, uh, anybody know who that guy is? John Merrick. Thank you for calling him by name. John Merrick. Commonly called the Elephant Man. I don't know if you've read his story. I don't know if you've seen a movie about him. But in the late 19th century, a physician spotted this man at a freak show and went to meet him. Uh, you can, you know, I don't have to describe him. I've tossed the pictures. His brows were massively a, a bony bulge. His skin had the surface of cauliflower. His head was as wide as his waist. He, uh, additionally, he had these protrusions of leathery skin around his mouth and nose. His name was really Joseph, but he went by John Merrick. And he was treated like an animal by others. Yet somehow... Though he had been abandoned as a child, he learned to read and write on his own before he was five years old. And although he was mistreated savagely, he still somehow preserved kindness and love towards humanity. He was gentle and affectionate and lovable. And a physician became a friend to him and took him home and to a hospital to help him and help him heal. The story goes that there was still something going on inside of Merrick. And this doctor took him to visit uh, a widow woman. And when he walked in the door, she looked at him and smiled and took him by the hands and smiled lovingly into his face. And it was all that he could stand. His head, his massive head fell onto his knees and he sobbed uncontrollably. Later, Merrick explained that his widow, this widow woman had been the first person to ever smile at him. The first woman in his whole life who had taken his hands into hers and held them. And it was transformational. Now, I don't know how many people who suffer like John Merrick did. But I know how many who feel like he has felt. People who are longing and waiting for some acceptance. And, and that is the essence of the scripture to welcome one another. I'm, I'm so grateful that we love one another here. But how many believe it matters that we welcome one another Welcome one another requires us, the scripture says, to welcome whether they are strong, whether they're weak, whether they're educated, whether they're rich, they're poor, whether they're right or wrong, saint or sinner. Welcome. Somebody shout welcome. welcome. Maybe you know it in another language. Bienvenido. Or yokoso. Uh, Japanese. Okay, I had to look that one up myself. Or baruch uh, haba in Hebrew. Really, in, in, if you look at it and doing a study of first mention, you go back in Scripture to find out where a word like welcome is in the Old Testament. It's a hard chase. 
But really the word welcome in Hebrew is associated with the same word that we used when we said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, I want to know Christ. In Leviticus chapter 19.34, the scripture says, The alien living with you must be treated as one of your own native born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So when it says to be treated as, it's the same concept of what we see in Philippians 3. When the scripture says, I want to know Christ. We throw that word around, but it's a powerful word. It's the way we say, I want to know you. You're welcome. I'm glad you're alive. I'm glad to know you. I'm glad you're in my world. I'm glad to call you my brother, my sister, my friend. Literally, the word, the word welcome is, you are my family already, and I don't even know your address. Amen. You know, some people come to church, and they don't know anybody intimately in the whole house. Do you know the only way that that will ever take place is when we start truly welcoming one another? I've heard people tell me at Freedom, though, one of the things that happened to them when they first came is they got so many hugs. Anybody been attacked by huggers at Freedom before? <laughs> well, whether it's a hug, sometimes you need to offer people your hands as well, right? John Merrick, it was his hands. But what, I, what I'm saying to you is a real, honest welcome. Honest Welcome, a true and honest welcome. There's a restaurant that I've been to lots of times around the corner from here called Moe's. Anybody ever heard of Moe's before? When you walk in the door, what do they say? Welcome to Moe's! Okay, okay, now I don't want to bust on them, okay? I just think it's, it's a nice business thing, but they've been told by their employers to say, Welcome to Moe's! All right? But often they say it like this Welcome to Moe's! They're making a burrito. See what I'm saying? Now go eat there anyway. They're not bad people, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Welcome to freedom. Welcome home. That's not the way we do it. You hear what I'm saying? Welcome home. Well, somebody say it. Welcome to freedom. Remember the teaching of Jesus in Luke chapter 14 and 12. He says this. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Come on, invite, invite John. Invite John Merrick. You hear what I'm saying? Invite the individuals that are broken, whose lives are messed up. There are people that desperately need a welcome. Can I get a hallelujah in the house? There are people that need to know that you care, that you are interested. Jesus came after them. While the, remember, while the command to greet one another should affect all of our relationships, it's especially applicable with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that when I remembered when I saw that Katherine Johnson had passed this week. And uh, Katherine Johnson was one of the individuals that was portrayed in the movie Hidden Figures. She's also Bev Baker's aunt right back there. I believe the service is going to be a memorial service in, in Hampton Coliseum or something like that. And Bev will be playing Great Is Thy Faithfulness and Wes will be playing. She died. She was 101 years old when she died. But the story, the backstory of that, and I won't go, you have to watch the movie yourself, but Hidden Figures. You know, a young black American woman who was given the opportunity to be a mathematician 
for that the first uh, space shot that John Glenn was on. And it was her mathematical uh, genius that caused them to be able to do it. But at the same time, there was a certain uh, pot of water that she could only drink out of. You see what I'm saying? You say, well, we're not like that. I know we're not that way. But, the, but, but, but Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to love everybody. And I thought that Catherine just portrays the love of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Lord Jesus. You say, well, how was that? She was kind of segregated. It, what she did was she walked into those particular settings and she loved people whether they loved her or not. In other words, if they can't invite you back to dinner, love them anyway. If they can't give you money for the groceries, love them anyway. Love people that don't have the resources. People that have been pushed down. People that are broken. Can I say something about racism right now? Come on. Racism is the opposite of what we are called to. It is the, it is the opposite. How did we end up with black churches and white churches? How did we do that? We are called to deeply and intimately welcome one another into fellowship. We've got something here at Freedom. It's, it's the culture of our community, and I believe it's supernatural. You see, the ability to acknowledge and accept people is a rare gift that too few possess. And all of us desperately need it if we're going to embrace broken people and allow them to meet a loving Jesus who died to save them and be set free from the chains that hold them. I love you with freedom. I love you, and I bless you, and I celebrate you. So I said, welcome one another. Can I go on for another minute? Love me enough to say yes, would you? Yes. Yes. Encourage one another. Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Build each other up. Just as, in fact, you are doing. I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for the encouragement of others. I don't know. I've been, anybody ever had church hurt before? Okay, I had church hurt as a boy. I don't know how I stayed in it, you know. But uh, I don't know. It's just like somebody had a little target on me. And I think, I think the enemy used good church people to hurt my feelings on occasion. One of, that, one of those big times where I found the diversity of it was uh, when I first started playing drums in church. You probably heard me tell the story, but I was uh, at a church. It was a homecoming Sunday, a little church in a little country town. They invited me to play drums. I was so excited. I, I had gotten a free drum set from a guy who owned a junkyard down the road. And I had set it up. I'd been practicing so I could tap along my little country. Boom, chuck, boom, chuck, boom, chuck. I was really good at it, you know. And, and I was playing at the opening of service. Right at the opening, I was up there. And one sister stood up like she wanted to testify and waved her hand and said, we would enjoy the service a lot more if he was not playing the drums. My Lord. I was so embarrassed, hurt. I was just about uh, 12 years old. And I had other stuff going on in my life that she did not know. I had also at the same time been abused sexually by someone who was also a part of that church. Look at me. I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. Now wait, wait. I went over. I ran, to, ran over to the parsonage, laid on my bed and cried and cried and cried. Tried to decide, I'm too embarrassed. Should I go back? And finally, something just rose up inside of me. I had a few encouragers that walked over and encouraged me. I got up, ran back over to the church, climbed back on my drums, and there was a sign from one of the members of the church that said, Ricky, keep playing. God love, God's listening, and so am I. 
So I'm saying, you can tell me all the horror stories about the people that hurt you, but I have been encouraged by some people in my life. Amen. Can I tell you that a word of encouragement will disrupt all of the discouragement? Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Somebody's honest word of encouragement. And then you forgive those other people. That was a real sweet lady who said that. She said that out of her tradition and out of her brokenness. And I love her. She, is a, she was a gift in the church. But honestly, in my life, I need more encouragement. In fact... I can't remember too many great encouragers, but those who did speak spoke profoundly into my life. The word encouragement really is translated from the word edify, which means to build as if in construction, like building a wall, like building a house, like building a foundation. Church, let me give you some encouragement. It exists. This church exists because there are some people here who get up week after week, day after day, open the doors, clean the floors, greet the people, hold the children, teach the kids, reach the youth, sing the songs, preach the word, type the newsletters, come on, pray for the hurting, disciple newborns, visit the shut-in, pay their tithes, open the food pantry, pick up food, pass it out, prepare the clothes closet, give away clothes, turn on the sound, turn on the computer, run the webcast. We got this. And I bless you and thank God for you. church needs to be encouraged. We need to love our hugs team. Come on. We need to bless the tech team. We need most people who work at the church don't get a paycheck for it. Amen. Have you ever worked at a place where you said, they can't pay me enough to work here? Amen. You know what encouragement does? It's like building a house for somebody. It's building a floor for them to stand on. Look at somebody and thank somebody. Would you do that? Just look at somebody and say thank you. Just say thank you. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 reads this way. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Come on, you need to be able to say some of these encouraging words. So many scriptures, but I don't have time to share them all. But let me just give you five statements, some words that you can encourage people with. Because sometimes you see, find people that are hurt, people that are wounded, people that are broken, people that are going through affliction. Affliction. Often affliction is grief. Affliction is like a sickness. Can I get an amen? amen? Here's some words that you can use. You're going to get through this. Say it. You're going to get through this. You're a better person than you think you are. You're a good gift. You are making a difference in my life and the life of others. Don't stop. Keep running the race. How many could use some of those? Okay. Use some of those words. Look at some people. You got a choice. You can be an encourager or you can be a stumbling block. The lack of encouragement is a stumbling block. In Romans 4, 14, 13. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Love one another. Speak your love to one another. Bless one another and do not curse them. Speak faith. Speak hope. Speak peace. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. How many know some folks? Sister Tootsie's back there. She has a gift of encouragement. She blesses me all the time. I'm telling you, she prays for me. I go back to hug her. I can't get away from her. Pastor Rick, bless you. You're so... And off she goes. And I receive that. You say, you shouldn't need to receive that. I'm not getting puffed up. Believe me, there's enough people to knock me down. All right? I need two or three people on occasion to put their arms around me and say, attaboy, Pastor Rick. Preach the word. Preach the word. Keep doing what you're doing. Which brings me to just one more thing. Comfort one another. 2 Corinthians 1, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the conflict we also, comfort we also have received from God. I just mentioned this, the word affliction. It speaks of grief. The word describes the circumstances, trouble, distress, difficulty, suffering, that squeeze the life out of us. Affliction forces us to make a decision. To accept our mortality as final and fall into despair. Or to believe that there is more to life than meets the eye. And that the affliction will eventually give way to the glory of God. The Apostle Paul knew something about affliction. In his second letter to the Corinthians he describes his sufferings, his labors, his imprisonments, his beatings, his whippings, his dangers, his deprivations, his hardships, his miseries. He also had to endure internal struggles in verse 28 of 2 Corinthians 11, he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. Paul's, even in Paul's mature faith, it did not spare him from suffering. If anything, his faith and calling brought on his suffering. Do I have any Christians in this house? Where are you? Where are you? Hold your hand up. Got any Christians? Got any believers in this house? Is there anybody in this room that as a believer has went through a suffering time? Anybody? Come on, wait, look around the room. Wait, keep waving your hands. Some of you might be going through it right now. You're going through it. It's heaviness that's in your life. Listen, you know, there's all kinds of grief that people have. You know, death causes grief and leaves people in a vacuum of loss. And it is not a simple affair. But there are other kinds of grief. One out of every 25 married couples in our country cannot have children. And we just kind of overlook them. But it leaves people, amen, in a deep despair. Some people experience a quiet grief that few people can understand. Similarly, often single men and women who would love to marry, but they're yet to find a suitable spouse. They, they have grief and it's like affliction. Here's the good news. Grief can also bring victory. Because affliction unites us because we love one another. When we hear that somebody is lost, that someone is gone, we, somebody said, we rise up. We rise up. Grief brings victory. Those extra meals cooked and served. The assistance with a broken down car. The contact that helps someone find a new job. And in all of the pain, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we overcome the holes that have been left in our hearts and our souls that often cause our faith to be challenged. Perhaps you're here today and your heart is broken and you're about to give up. Perhaps you're here today and you feel ostracized and not apart. Can I tell you, I am so sorry that we have not been here. I'm so sorry that your call wasn't answered. I'm so sorry. But it is not indicative of the love that we have for one another. We care for you and we welcome you. And we want your life to be changed by the power of the love of God. I'm talking about love and faith with shoes on and with our sleeves rolled up. We're ready to stand by one another to help you no matter what your brokenness is. We're ready to welcome you, encourage you, and to comfort you. Stand with me. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your word today. We thank you. How you 
say this with me? Just repeat this with me. We are. We are. Say it loud. Come on, say it loud. We are. We are. The body. Of Jesus Christ. I say this. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Some people have asked me before, how do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if I'm saved? What is the witness of me? All right. I know you're broken. I know some of you got wounds, but here you go. You will love like you have never loved before. there's some things that just cannot be taught they gotta be caught open your arms say this with me Lord Jesus I receive your love it interests me that when the apostle talks about the fruit of the spirit the first thing he mentions is love now the fruit of the spirit is say it Say, come Holy Spirit. Some of you might say, well, you know, I'm just not a hands-on person. I just, I'm not that kind of people. Are you saved? Are you saved? You can touch somebody's hand. You can give a word of encouragement. But here's what's going to happen. The Lord is going to increase freedom fellowship. We're going to see more people come in and out of these doors, but we're going to see them. We're not just counting numbers. We're counting people that are being loved. You're going to love people at work. You're going to love your co-workers. You're going to love people that you thought you could never love. You're going to find a way. And there are people in this house. They're going to find healing and wholeness. They're going to get through their affliction because they are loved and we intimately care for one another. For those of you who are struggling right now with affliction, for those of you who are struggling because you feel so lost and so alone, I'd like to hug you today. I'd like to bless you. For those of you who feel so unloved and unheard and uncared for, even though you're in the house, or maybe you feel loved but you're really going through it, I'd love to love on you and bless you today. Would you come and meet me here at the altar for a moment just so we can bless you? Just wherever you are, just come and join me. Just come and stand here. While, while you're preparing for that, while you're coming, you can come whenever you choose. Some altar workers also come and join me up front. Whatever your needs are, we're here to pray for you and to hear from you and to talk with you. This is what I, I am going to admonish you to do before you leave this place. I want you to open your arms to four or five people. Get in a circle, and I want you to say, I love you. And then ask them, what's going on in your life? anything I can do for you? Are there any needs that you have? And then I want you to pray for one another. By the time we leave this house, I want to see people transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Take your time. Minister to one another. If you'd like ministry, come up towards the front. Look at me. Look at me. How many are going to do this? How many are going to find four or five people and get in the circle? Anybody going to do that? Go ahead. Start finding, go ahead. Start finding the crowd. Find your crowd. Find your crowd. Love one another, bless one another, encourage one another.